Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. My name is Kay Fresh. This is the final edition of Fresh is the Word for the year 2015. Thank you for listening each and every week. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for any feedback. Thanks for everything. We have a lot of great shit coming up in the upcoming weeks and months. Uh, For this uh, final edition for 2015, I got an old Detroit homie of mine, Detroit hip-hop MC Fat Cat, a.k.a. Ronnie Cash, a.k.a. Ronnie Euro. Right now, Fat Cat's out in Europe uh, with Guilty Simpson Super MC touring. And recently, he released a new album called The Rededication of the Suckers, produced entirely by this London-based uh, producer, Agor, which we'll get into in the actual interview. So it was great to talk with the old school homie. He's one of the first dudes in this hip-hop scene to really fuck with me back in the day. So uh, let's get to the interview with Fat Cat. Okay, um... Yeah, throughout the, all these years, you know, we've known each other for a long time, like, long time, and I feel like you were one of the first people, back when I was doing the Renaissance Soul website, Right. you understood what I was doing. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm always, you know, trying to be ahead of the curve, you know, with everything I do, and I just saw where, you know, music was going instead of, you know, the whole physical thing. I just knew that it was... Everything was going digital, like Dave Chappelle said. A piss was digital. Shit is digital, yo. Yeah, it was funny at that time. I was just like, everybody was like, I, I always had this feeling like, oh, there's Kelly K. Fresh with this cute little website. But you understood right. what it was about, you know? Yeah, man, definitely. I understood what it was about. I understood that shit. That was the new currency, so... You got to be ahead funny, of the curve. Though, it was funny, though. It wasn't until, like, MySpace hit that all of a sudden rappers got, like, like computer savvy. Right. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> about true. But, you know, shit. Even before MySpace, remember you was hooking up the uh, the Fat Cat website. Yeah, we did RonnieCash.com. Yeah, like, RonnieCash.com. Yeah, and we totally... We did... And then we were, we were selling CDs of... We totally... You know, pressed up our own CDs. Yeah. Re-releasing uh, Dedication to the Suckers and the First Down Project. Right. And we were doing really good numbers. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> People don't even know, man. We was getting money off of fucking CDs and shit way before this, the internet was even popular, man. It was literally just me and you, and we were probably almost getting the same numbers that your record company that you were assigned to was. Clearly, clearly. <laughs> Clearly, that shit is unheard of, man. I mean, but that's just the whole thing of being ahead of the curve, man. So we got to reap the benefits before the shit got popular. You know what I mean? Right. All right. Let's that's, that's rewind it back to, you know, just how you got started into, uh, you know, hip hop. You know, what was, you know, when did you just first have the inkling that you wanted to be a rapper? Well, it, it first started after... Um, Really, it first started after I fucking went to the Fresh Fest. And that was a concert way back in the 80s with, you know, uh, Houdini, Run DMC, and uh, the Fat Boys, Curtis Blow, New York City Breakers. Yeah, when, back when, like, they had those larger-than-life, yeah, like, hip-hop festivals. Huge-ass rap concerts at Joe Louis. So, yeah, man, I got I went to that shit, 
I got that for uh, I got a ticket for my uh, eighth grade graduation and shit. So I went to the Fresh Fest and you know I seen how shit was going down, man. And I was bit, I was bit by the bug. Like, damn, man, I think I, I think I want to do that. Great. What 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 did you do first? Like, who were your like influences at that time? Like, who did you want to be like? Well, I never really wanted to be like anybody. I just wanted to be the best me. But you know, I definitely uh, you know, uh, honed all the greats. You know, like a, you know, like the uh, Rakims, the Karras ones. You know, um, just all the greats, man. I just I just you know. Took a page out of everybody's book, man. Big Daddy Kane's and, you know, all those guys, man. Like, just, it just blew my mind. So, that's, I just knew what I wanted to do after that. Just listening to them and, you know, trying to perfect my own craft. Right. Yeah, you, Fat Cat, were a part of that, you know, pre-Eminem, Slim Shady, LP, kind of the boom before that, you know, the golden age of, like, yeah. Of just like street Detroit hip hop. Yeah, like yeah. The small definitely. little clubs, the small little spots, hip hop shop, you know. How did you got get how did you get introduced into that scene? Well, I got I got uh hip to the whole um we had a place called the Rhythm Kitchen. Yeah. Stanley's. Uh and uh you know, I knew proof from, you know, off the east side and um he was he used to host the Rhythm Kitchen. And shit, we went up there. That's where I met uh Dilla, Slum, you know, all those cats. You know, a lot of like minded, you know, it just was like, wow, it's motherfuckers out here that really from Detroit that that's really about this rap shit, you know, and you know, 'cause I was from the east side, so it was it was a it was a total difference. It was, you know, hood gangster rap and and you know hip-hop and you know i was like caught between that i was like straddling the fence because you know a lot of cats like you know my my uh my style of rap but the uh like the music like uh sonically wise you know cats used to be like man that's that shit cool man but you know it shit sound like jazz man you rapping over jazz you know what i mean and I used to be like, what the fuck is y'all talking about, man? This shit is dope. And, you know, that's how I really was in Detroit, man. A lot of cats wasn't really, didn't really catch on to what, what we was doing back then because, you know, they looked at, you know, like real hip-hop. was like, oh, man, y'all trying to sound like New York or, you know, that shit cool, man, but kick some gangster shit. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. That's just how it was back in the day, man. For people that might not understand, it doesn't matter if it was hip-hop stuff or dance music stuff, electronic stuff, there was a difference between the east side and the west side. Fuck yeah. It, describe that difference. I mean, the east side was shit. The, the east side was like Compton, yo, like, <laughs> like, like some real hood shit, man. You know, fucking... <laughs> <laughs> that's where crack that's where crack touched down at man crack uh, the east side was ground zero for crack you know what i mean and and it just you know spread it throughout the city but you know it just was it's, it's a total difference you know like and like how how people would say motherfuckers would be like 
Motherfuckers on the east side rent, and motherfuckers on the west side own they shit. You know what I'm saying? It just was a, and still like today, you know, a lot of people from the east side never fucking been on the west side. And vice versa, a lot of people from the west side never been to the east side of Detroit. So it was just cool because I got both spectrums of both sides of the, of, of the whole thing. Because when I moved west in, uh, in 1990, you know, it was like, I was like, damn, it's like, it's cool over here. I ain't really got to worry about getting shot at or no shit. <laughs> you know, it was kind of cool when I first moved over to the west side. But, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, some, it was some ill shit, man, going on back then. Right, and before, okay, before there was Jay Dilla, before there was Slum Village, there was First Down. It was you and JD. Definitely. You guys put out a uh, single on Payday. Yep, the first cast out of Detroit to um, get a, a, a major record deal through uh, Payday. It was a subsidiary th- uh, through Polygram. And um, I fucking met Gangstar on the east side at an in-store, uh, Chantonique Records. They came in and um, I happened to be in there cause I was copping, it was a Tuesday. So I was copping they, you know, they new record. That was when records came out on Tuesday. So I was in the store copping a new record and- Was that when the Hard to Earn came out? Exactly, yeah. the Hard to Earn album. And um, they came in to do an in-store and I just happened to be in there buying a record. So I'm like, oh shit, you know what I'm saying? Let's Fucking gangstar or whatever. I'm like, yo, man, I, I fucking, I'm, I'm in here buying y'all shit. Shit is dope, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the lady that that owns the store, she's like, yo, did he tell you he can rap or whatever? They like, nah. You know, she just put me on the spot. So it was like, man, you rap or whatever? I'm like, yeah. Like, you got something we can hear? So I went to the car and got the cassette. Cassette. You heard what I said, right? Yeah, cassette. Yeah. So I went to the car and got the cassette and um shit came back threw it in they heard uh front street and uh day with the homies and the fucking rest was history <laughs> record deal <laughs> how did the how did that first down project get started well how did it how did it, how did the, the whole process yeah how did it form to begin with before any of the you know the in-store meet with uh with gangster happen, you know okay. how did how did how did you guys get around to you know how did you meet Dilla and be like yo we gonna let's let's knock out some joints? Well, I met Dilla at the Rhythm Kitchen. Yeah, that's where all the you know hip hop dudes was. That's where we would go, you know, to congregate and you know test your skills on the mic. So we would go there and shit, and I met Dilla there, and you know we formed a camaraderie and. Shit, we just started recording shit, and that shit happened. And um, like I say, I had I had a demo, but I was gonna send it because what I used to do and shit, like back in the day, I used to look at all the fucking uh, like cassette cover, you know, the back of the uh, records and shit. Right. And write down the, the the names of the companies, and you know. Payday was one of the motherfuckers I was gonna send, you know, the uh, the demo to, and shit just was like some divine intervention, man. Fucking gangstar walked in, and like I say, man, the rest was fucking history. It was like all the stars was lined up. 
Right, Payday had a heavy lineup at that time. Fuck yeah, man. They had fucking uh, Group Home, J. Rue, uh, Showbiz AG. Uh, they had a group called UTD. That was with Most Deaf and yeah. uh, uh, a female or some shit. Um, uh, WC, Mass Circle. Um, someone else. Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay-Z was on there earlier. Yeah, they had the Jigga Man. Jigga Man was on there. Didn't, uh, didn't OC put out his first, second OC, album? On, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, the, the lineup was, the, they had a lineup, a heavy lineup, and I was like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, they put out a compilation called Payday Rep in the Streets or whatever, and I'm looking at that shit like, damn, all these motherfuckers on here, we on this motherfucker? So, that's dope, you know what I mean? Like, motherfuckers really... Really, really, really getting it. How come nothing more came about the situation with that? Fucking uh, glitter. Yeah, you were telling me about that one time, man. Glitter. <laughs> glitter, man. When when Mariah Carey dropped that glitter shit, <laughs> a lot of motherfuckers from uh, Virgin was getting the axe. And shit. <laughs> Payday was one of them, man. You know what I mean? That, that glitter shit fucked the game up, yo. <laughs> All right. After that time, is a few years later, you would uh, eventually do the dedication to the suckers. Yeah. Um, twelve inch. Right. Uh, the dedication to the suckers, twelve inch was actually supposed to be songs for the like full length for the first. Uh, it was supposed to be actually songs for the full length of the first down album. But like I said, payday folded, so that shit never happened. And, you know, kind of like had a – I mean, you didn't really understand the, the game like that back then. So, you know, we was feeling kind of like slighted a little bit. So that was the whole dedication to the suckers thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, motherfuckers fronted. You know what I mean? But motherfuckers really didn't front shit. The label folded. That's what happened. But – you know, being young and and uh, headstrong, you know what I mean? You thinking like, like, oh, man, the world against us, man. So, yeah, let's show everybody or whatever. And that was the whole thing with the whole dedication to the suckers. Yeah, I remember you telling me a story about, you know, just going in and recording them tracks. Like, you guys just did it, like, in a day or something. Yeah, we actually did it in a night. Like a couple hours, um, Dilla called me over to the crib, and it was um, like eleven, like around I say like nine, between nine and ten, and um, shit, we already he had the beach loaded up, and he had just uh, hit record and, and go upstairs and come back down, like you done, yeah. I, just laid laid the verses, just like that shit was done in a few hours, man. Like the whole the whole project was done in a couple hours. It was done before it was time for him to go to the strip club, and the strip <laughs> club get to popping around, you know, twelve and one. So we started like between nine and ten, and shit. I was I was back at the crib by fucking by midnight, and he called me at four or five in the morning, and just. You know, put the uh, put the phone to the speakers, and I'm hearing the. This is dedicated. 
fake sucker. So I'm hearing the cuts and shit. Cause I mean, we was like so, we was like so competitive back then. But you know, we just always wanted to outdo everybody else. And like that whole, that was the first song. That was the first time Dilla really like would cut a sentence you know, out of, out of cuts. Yeah. And he was, you know, I mean, Primo was, was the, was the man with that shit. And I'm like, yo, man, you got to kill that. You know what I mean? And that was his whole way of like, like I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with Primo. See, yeah, that's one thing. Like Dilla could do that. No one really, you know, knew that, that he could, you know, get down and start cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't used to do that shit, but he just used to master everything. You know what I mean? And, when he done that shit, I'm like, bro, you, 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 you got it. <laughs> okay, with that release, you know, came out uh, on how she was recordings, and automatically, a, you know, the Japanese, a Japanese distributing company just grabbed the first five thousand. We didn't even have five thousand. They wanted the first five thousand. Yeah, and uh, we didn't even they they heard the shit because we just sent out we pressed up like. Uh, I think like a couple hundred, um, 700 white labels and sent them out, you know, the DJs or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, um, the shit fucking, it, it got over all the way over to Japan and, um, they, they got a whiff of it. Fat Beats wanted a, a couple of hundred and then, um. The guys from Japan, they heard the shit, so they was like, we want 5,000 of them. And we didn't even have 5,000, so they was like, okay, we'll send you the money to press them up, but we want them. And that, that shit went down like that. Pete Rock was in fucking Japan. He seen the, he listening to the shit, and it was the phone number on the record. He calls the phone number on the record and leave a message like, yo, this Pete Rock, man, I'm, I'm in Japan, man. I uh, just got got this record, blah blah blah. Uh, this my number, blah blah blah. Call me back and shit. I'm like, man, fucking Pete Rock, making a song, brother. So I'm like, damn. So I call him back and shit, and he fucking tripping. Like, he like, yo, man, get on the fucking plane, man. Come out, come out here and fuck with me or whatever. So I guess on the plane and go out to New York and uh. Kicking with Pete for a couple days and shit, just was crazy, man. And shit, we've been we've been we've been rocking ever since, man. How was it, it that you know time in your uh, career just to go hang out with Pete Rock? I mean, it was cool, man. I mean, I've never been a starstruck type of dude. Oh, I know you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I know you haven't. <laughs> I mean, I just treat everybody, you know, accordingly. Every I treat everybody the same. You know, no matter if you the fucking president or if you a fucking homeless motherfucker on the street, you're still a person. So I just treat everybody the same. And I mean, we just clicked and shit. We just hung out, smoked, went through records and shit. He planned me shit. We just kicked it. Okay. And then around that time also, you were, this is also your, the time when you're in the a label situation also with yeah. Rock Records. When did that start? Well, the whole I I didn't uh I didn't uh link up with Barack Records until after um after the whole uh 
after the, the payday thing didn't go through. So I was, um, I was always touring with Slum Village. And um, that's how that situation came about, you know, because I was, I already had like a gang of songs or whatever. And um, Slum was with Barack and that's how I ended up getting signed with Barack. And I know at one point, you know, through Barack, they got you signed to Virgin. Were, were, was Virgin the only label that they yeah, you were signed with at a time, or were you bouncing back with any other labels? No, well, I was signed. Uh, I was signed to Virgin before Barack. Records. Okay, all right. Uh, Tim Maynard, he man, he manages. Uh, he used to manage Slum Village, and uh, he manages Dwelle and a few other artists, and. Um, he, uh, you know, because Dwell A was already at Virgin, and a guy named Nigel Wildman, he was at Virgin, the A&R. Yeah. And he was, like, a big fan of my shit, and that got the ball rolling, and that what got me signed to Virgin UK. What happened with that situation? That's the label folded. Right. <laughs> and, uh, well, they started trimming the fat, and, um... Nigel was one of the guys that that caught the axe, and he, you know, was the guy that signed that signed me. And that was before I even turned in the, the album. So, like, I got all this fucking bread and a free album. You know what I mean? So, and that's how the uh, Undeniable came about, because it was supposed to come out on Virgin. And that's how that came about, because... I didn't. I wasn't with a label after Virgin, so we signed. Uh, we did it through the Barack pipeline. I bet RJ loved that you already had an album ready. Oh yeah, I'm sure. He did. <laughs> I'm sure. He did. <laughs> that he didn't have to pay for it anyway. Yeah, he didn't have to pay for it. It was already done. <laughs> it's already done. Gave a flat. Bam! There you go. But don't. Uh, I hear it so often where the 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 A&R guy that got you in the door, they get fired, and then the artist just doesn't have any standing in the yeah. label anymore. I've hear, I hear that you so don't much. You have anybody there to fight for you. And shit, half of these people, like back then, half of those, half of those record guys didn't know what the fuck hip-hop was really even about. You know what I mean? That was crazy at that time because around that time was kind of, that was like the hotbed of like the indie hip hop era. Yeah. But still nobody in the industry understood it because you had only like cuz you didn't know how to market it. Yeah, you only had X amount of people that understood how to do it and they were doing it themselves. Exactly. You so know? when you get a so yeah, a a major label will give you some bread, but yeah, you got money, but they don't know what to do with your fucking record now. You know what I mean? So that shit just fall by the wayside. Yeah, and that was a that was a problem that a lot of Detroit <laughs> cats were having yep. once like the whole like post Eminem thing happened, you know? Yep. They were snatching up Detroit cats, but they were like, What do we do with these guys? Or they, they got something different than they expected, you know? Yeah. Like what the Like the Detroit cats were like, Okay, we're gonna oh, I know what I'm gonna do. We're gonna just like it's going to be so much better than those demos that they heard, blah, blah, blah. We're going to give them this. We're going we're gonna to yeah. get it done in time, early. It's going to be quality. We're not going to go over budget. Boom, here, we did everything 
better than you wanted it to be. Like, then we're like, I don't know. Okay, what now do what? Now what? What are we supposed to do with? What are we supposed to do with this? You know? Yeah, it's a, you say it's good, but <laughs> shit, I don't know. Then they always point to somebody like that's hot on the radio. Can you make something like that? Oh my god! Oh my goodness! <laughs> wait, wait, wait! This is, this is hilarious. Wait, what are some? What, what are some of the examples of people that have told you that you should make records like? Ja Rule, fucking oh man, it's been man, it's been. I feel like Chingy comes up a lot for some yeah, reason. Yep. Chingy was Chingy. somebody that everybody referenced. No, nah, but I used to <laughs> when 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 I was when I was over at at, at Barack, man, RJ, man, that's a funny dude, man. That's, he still, no, that's I remember my dude, that, man. I mean, I learned a lot from him, man, but he was fucking hilarious, bro. Like, we'd be in the, uh, I'd be in the, in the, in the studio recording, he'd poke his little head in there. He'd come, he'd come in like, man, you need to put that Ja Rule on there, cat. You need to sound like, man, you need to sing on that sucker, man. You <laughs> want me to just <laughs> you like, Jay, man. I remember those days, man. Let it he'd out, like, man. He'd be like, Come on, cat. Come on, come cat. On, come on, cat. cat. Got make, you, make me a record like Chingy. Yeah, you got like to. I want to hear some Chingy, man. I want some Chingy. Y'all on that hip hop stuff, man. Man. No, I need you to make me some hits right now. I need some hits, man. Chingy got hits. You got to get some little Chingaling, cat. It's crazy, yo. <laughs> and I hear, I hear that. So, but it's, it's funny, like, during that time, how many people would, like, reference Chingy? To like managers and and yeah man I mean because people when when you mention Chingy or Nelly or anybody like that shit management seen dollar signs like shit I want I want I want that Nelly check it's yeah. it's crazy that somebody somebody <laughs> you know it's funny about Chingy and he's probably a nice guy I, I've never <laughs> met him and I'm not trying to like rag rag on him or anything but like a friend of mine who like. She's on like Twitter or whatever. She said that like Chingy will be in Australia like every six months. You Fuck know? yeah, man. He's still he's st- Chingy still getting them them, them Chingaling checks. Right, man. <laughs> getting that Chingaling. It's crazy that in in the rap world, like you can be over in the states, but as long as you had a few hits, oh yeah, you, you can, can go anywhere around the world. Hey man, I'm living proof, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you can go anywhere for the rest of your life. Fuck man. yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Like, I mean, shit. You might not have a career in the States anymore. No one could give a fuck about man, you. Man, listen. But Australia will still fuck with you 15 yeah. years later. Yep. Australia. Japan will still fuck with well, you. Japan, uh, you sell out in Japan. <laughs> Fucking Australia. Budapest. Yo, man, shit is popping in Europe, man. I, I love it. All right, let's, let's talk about your situation with uh, Barack. You did uh, put out some uh, records on that. How did you feel about that situation looking back? I mean, looking back, I look, um, just from knowing what I know now, it was a, stuff could have been done, like, better. But, I mean, I guess they was only doing what they could do. You know what I mean? Like, um, far as, it was a lot of, like, a lot of, like, corner cutting. You know what I mean? far as, you know, um, getting stuff to the masses and, it just was like, I mean, they only did so. They only did what they could do, you know what I mean. But I learned a lot. I learned a whole lot, and you know that's why I'm still here, because I learned from watching 
stuff over there. You learn the good and the bad. The good and the bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything because I was, you know, it was a lot. I mean, knowledge is priceless. You know, that's 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 the new currency. You know what I mean? If, if, it it paid to be it paid to be it paid to be ignorant. So I learned a lot over there. Yeah, I was around there for a few years because yeah. I was doing the I was doing the web design for RJ. And so I, I understand, you know, some of the shortcomings of them. And me, we've all had our butted heads with RJ. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> definitely butted heads with RJ before. For sure. Even I did a few years ago. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Even recently, a couple of years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> we were, I butted heads with him at the, uh, the last Dilla day at the Fillmore a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah, I I don't even I don't even know how that ha- I I was already in, I was already arguing with somebody else. And K he, Fresh talking down on me, man. <laughs> and he that's what that's literally what he just said. He said, man, and then like, oh, wow. and I was already arguing with somebody else, and then he came up, and my argument kind of sh- shifted shifted, shifted sl- seamlessly to him, and then and then I'm already, and I'm drunk too, man, because they had those like really cheap. Dilla themed Hennessy drinks oh, there, oh, oh, oh. and I'm already like having a heated discussion with somebody else, and then he comes along and we're like, like "I know you've been talking down on me." Kate oh, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, I know you. I don't even want to talk to you, man. I'm, I, you've been you've been talking a lot of trash. You've been talking a lot of trash, and I'm just like, and the, I was so I was so drunk that I became just unfiltered. And I, I think I said everything I've ever wanted to say to him. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said some shit back that I don't even really want to repeat. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Did you just say that shit? I can imagine, bro. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm like, I'm like, how would your artists feel if they heard what you just said to me? <laughs> but uh, it's here no, you know, here no there, whatever, you know. It's whatever, you know. Exactly. I learned a lot over there, man. You know, and it 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 made me uh more knowledgeable and want to be more hands-on with everything, you know what I mean? I need to know where all my money at and, and where it's going, and who's getting it, how much they getting. And, and what's the return on everything? I need to check. I need to check everything. So after you left the the Brock situation, what did you do next? I just I was just touring and shit. Uh, just touring, doing a lot of shit in Europe. And um, I got a call from this guy uh, Keith out in San Francisco. He had a label uh, called Look Records. He was just putting, just starting. He was just starting to put together, and he had, uh, and he was like, "Yo, man, what the fuck? Um, we we need to work, you know what I mean?" He already had. Uh, he just uh, did a, a situation with AG, and um, shit. He was like, "Yo, man, I wanna, I wanna work, man. I wanna put a record out or whatever." So. Yeah, and that's carte blanche. Exactly. That was the carte blanche, you know what I mean? Um, shit. And they had one of the coldest Dilla productions on there ever, Cold Steel. Fuck yeah, man. That, that, 
That was that's the shit right there. That was such a cold beat. Yeah, man. That was that was that was one of my favorite one of my favorite joints that that uh that he ever did. Just that just that shit just make you want to drive fast. It was like I don't know, man. That beat just I'm always I always find myself speeding when I used to listen to that that beat. So I'm like, damn, that shit is fucking crazy. During that time, you know, how how did that situation uh you know pan out? The whole uh like Kurt Blanche album, how did that, you know? Yeah, um that shit was dope, man. Fucking um uh, they flew me out to San Francisco. I, I I lived out there for a minute, recording, just kicking it. Met a lot of cool fucking people. Shit, money was good. Shit, I was out in the Bay living, you know, putting putting the record out and uh, that shit was that shit was it was it was good times over there, man. It was good times. Okay, since then, what have you been doing since that album? I've been fucking chilling, man. I've been chilling. I've been chilling, touring, still touring. I, st- I always, I'm always touring. Because yeah, we haven't really seen, we haven't heard, you know, that much out of you since that album. Well, I'm, I, I still do a lot of features. I do a lot of features and shit with European cats, and I just been on the road still, man. I'm still in Europe. Yeah, Ronnie Euro. Euros, man. Just Ronnie Euro. Pretty much just doing that shit. And uh, you know, still been recording, but um, I just been I've been out just looking for the right sound, looking for my sound, and you know that's what really took me so long, you know, to really put something else out, and just the whole climate of music, man. I wasn't really feeling none of this shit, and I didn't think you know what I was doing would even fit in to what's going now. You know what's going on now. So, but I, that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, thing though because I feel like hip hop is finally solidified in this maturation period right now. Right, where it's not just a young person's game anymore. Yeah, yeah. And there is this older folks, the older folks who grew up listening to hip hop. Their kids have graduated college now. So they ha- they can spend money on hip hop exactly, again, hip hop shows and they stuff. Go, go see some grown ass man rap. Yeah, and and you got you got like the roots on late night TV. Yeah, you know you got so many, so many like examples of where hip hop is a grown thing now. Yeah, man, it's some grown shit, man. You know you can. Shit, Scarface just came out with the album, one of the best of his career. Yeah, man. I mean, incredible. I'm bumping that shit so hard right now, man. It's, it's it's a beautiful thing, and you know, like stuff like that, and just touring, and just seeing the fans, you know, they just, that's what really motivated me to really want to um, come back and put another uh, project out, because, you know, it's really for my fans, you know what I mean, they, they wanted the shit, because I'm cool, man, I'm cool with just being me, man, I, I like, I like chilling, man, doing being a regular guy, but wait, what does Fat Cat do as being a regular guy? I fucking uh shit. I play golf. I I, I uh I watch I watch a lot of fucking uh politics nation and shit like that. I, I take my nieces to school in the morning, pick them up. You know what I mean? Uh, I just like doing regular shit, man. I like doing laundry. I like to cook. But also, I mean. You- 
you know, you've lost some weight from yeah, you know, man. 40, yeah, man. man. You're not as big as you used to be. Yeah, man. That's hilarious. I mean, it just changed my, you know, workout. I hit the gym every morning and shit. Get my five miles in. And you sound better on the mic, both. You know. Yeah, I mean, song it's, and live. Too, it's total. Now. It's it's. I mean, it's it's a total difference, and I could tell like when I'm performing and like when I'm in the booth, just far as. Like breath control, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the first time totally I saw different. you after you lost a bunch of weight and I saw you perform once, I was like, duh, he's <laughs> he sounds better than ever up there, man. Yeah, man, I feel I feel I feel great, man. You know, it's 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 a good time right now, man. Are right, you've um you've definitely had a you know a long relationship uh professionally with Dilla when he was still alive. Definitely. Like you guys, you know, were like you guys were like the you know the guru and premiere pretty much in Detroit, you pretty know? much, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that even me and you have had words before in regards to uh, you know the whole the way this legacy is. Fuck yeah, because it's such like a clusterfuck of just. But I think it's because we are all so emotional about it, right? That sometimes we all cross the line. Definitely. About what we say and whatnot. Yeah, you know? and, and my whole thing, you know, about about all that, the whole just the whole Dilla thing as a whole, you know, just just out of respect, you know what I mean? I just I just chose just to fall back, you know what I mean? Because if you ain't got shit good to say, just shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? And I guess my, my silence speaks volumes, you know what I mean? So yeah, for a while I was just saying stuff all the time, but then I was just like, you know what? I just don't care anymore. I don't really want to talk to these people over here. Right. It's not doing any good. They're gonna do what they want to do anyways. Exactly. I, you know, I'm still very critical about it, you know. Yeah. But I'm not just gonna go out of my way and just speak about it every single day or whatnot, you know. Yeah. But it just like I'm. I just want to. I almost think about it as something in regards to religion, having like having your own personal like relationship with God, yeah, man. instead of like like fucking with an organized religion. Yeah, man. That's I want I want to have my own personal relationship with Dilla's music because I didn't have a relationship with with him, the man. You know, right? I maybe had five good conversations with him when he was alive. You know, and sometimes he was weird. You know. Yeah, I mean. Dilla, he he, he was know, weird. He was nice at other times. Sometimes he was just fucking weird. Yeah, you just had to really, <laughs> you just had to really know him. You know what I mean? And just like okay, and just like any and just like any other Detroit cat, sometimes they're a dick, sometimes they're cool. Yeah. And he I was. Damn, I'm a dick sometimes. I don't think you've ever been a dick, but you could probably be a dick. To, yeah, I'm sure I could be. But you're probably never a dick to me. Nah, man. But you, I'm just saying in general, you, the, all Detroit cats, especially in the hip hop scene, can be a dick at. You can't help it, you know. Yeah. You can't help it. But um, with with Dilla, I, I had a relationship with his music, right. you know. And then I went online and just, you know, cataloged his music, you know, did all the research, yep. you know, talked to who I needed to do and just, you know, spread his music out because I had a relationship with the music, right. you know, not right. him, you know. So, when, so after he passed and I saw that the music was kind of like – uh, not getting the the sort of attention to detail that it deserves, you know. I was just like, I, I don't like this, you know. Right. And I don't like the way these people are talking about it and handling their detractors, you know. I mean, you can yeah. have, you can like, 
there can be criticism, but when you come back being more negative about a situation, right. it's not, it's as the person who is, you know, you know, heading something, it's, it's not going to do anyone good, you no, know? Hell no. I felt like nothing was like really, a lot of stuff just wasn't handled like properly. Everybody was so eager to get their like Dilla Brownie points. Yeah. And, and now, and that's the whole thing, you know, with me, I never, I never been on that whole tip because shit, if you know me, you know how, 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 how me and Dilla rocked, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't. I, I just I, I I know I know my man's and I know that a lot of a lot of the way things was being handled I know he wouldn't you know sit cool with that shit and I really couldn't be a part of it you know what I mean It's just crazy that like his legacy the way his music handled has been handled in such a different manner than anybody else that's passed Yeah definitely I mean. And it's it's really it's really a lesson to be learned. Yeah. For sure. people to definitely get your get your business in order. Yeah. At at all times. So if you pass, right, you your you your won't. music will be in the right hands. Yeah. And, or yeah. if you even if you don't want it released or anything after you release, and, are you are you, you pass away? And that's my whole thing, you know, just me knowing what I know. A lot of shit wouldn't be out right now. You know what I mean? It wouldn't, like, all this, a, a lot of this dealer shit would not be fucking seeing the light of day right now because a lot of that shit is not fucking finished. You know what I mean? I mean, the stuff that, the stuff that you would rap over from Dilla, it would not be the same. You won't, the shit won't sound the same when it's done. After he get through with it, you want that beat that you rapped over, it won't be that fucking beat. You know, right. a lot of that shit is just shells, and that's what a lot of his fans really don't know. But the shit might sound cool to y'all, but... Yeah, those, those were just beginning ideas. Yeah, man, that shit... And I know that, you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? So I, 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 I couldn't... I, I, can't, I can't do that, man. Yeah, everybody who's worked close with that, like, yo, I rapped with this beat. When he sent it back, it was just like on the space... Space age shit. Yeah, man. Later, that shit totally won't be crazy. sounding like that when you when by the time you hear it after you record your vocals and Dilla get a hold of that shit. The next time you hear that motherfucking song, you're gonna be like, damn, is that the same beat? You know what I mean? So like I say, man, a lot of shit that you know cats rap over now is just shells. You know, unfinished. So I'm cool with that. Right. Yeah, he yeah, he definitely had a he he knew where he was going in his mind. Right. So like yeah, that that's why that's why for us in the know, it's so it's so emotional to see all this stuff come out cuz we're like uh, it's, uh, this isn't what he would probably want yeah, man. to be out. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know, he probably wouldn't have the sound and like that, you know. Yeah. But hey, who what who am I? The, the uh the the you know I don't control that shit, so Right. I'm just I'm I just keep it moving, you know what I mean? So that's why you don't hear the fat cat rapping over no dealer shit. I'm 
And right, and that's that's great because you had you had a relationship with him, both personally and musically, when he was still alive. Yeah, definitely. But since he's passed, you have gone and searched for your own sound. Yeah, man. Still I'm looking for the perfect beat. And no, the thing is, I feel like that was the lesson that Dilla's music was trying to teach everybody, but that everybody missed. Man, it what? wasn't. It wasn't to sound like him. Fuck no, man. He hated that shit, man. It was. It wasn't to rap man, over his you beats. You would be surprised all the motherfuckers that he done fell out with, bro. Like, I mean, actually call a motherfucker like, "Yo, motherfucker, quit trying to sound like me." You know what I mean? He didn't. He didn't right. call. He didn't. <laughs> the shit is hilarious, man. But but I felt yeah, like I like I was saying like that. I think that was the lesson. It was never, you know, displayed in words or anything, but it was this lesson that nobody totally understands or gets is that he pushed the envelope so far that he just wanted other people to do the same in their own way. Fuck yeah. I mean, just like when, uh, you know, when we did the whole game over thing, you know, when we heard that diabry shit, bro, like he fucking called me like, yo, man, come, you got to come to the crib, like come right now. I'm like, what the fuck going on? So he's like, he was like, man, come, man. I got some bread over here, too. Come come over here, man. Some bread over here. So I, I goes over there and shit. And uh, Tad was there. And um, shit, he was working on a project. And he wanted he wanted us on there. And right, we going through the beach and shit. Me and Dilla going through the beach. Like, damn, man, this shit is fucking dumb. So we heard the, we heard the game over track and shit. And we was like flipping, so he was like, "What you got for it?" I was like, "Shit, what you got for it?" <laughs> so I went in, laid my verse, and shit. He laid his shit, and shit. Uh, Tad cut the check, and, and shit. I was, I was on my way. Yeah, Tad was Tad was telling me the story behind that record, and he was just like, "Okay, yeah, we were in the studio and doing that, and, and you know, Dilla told us, you know, you know, can you leave me alone for a little while and everything." And he finished up the beat like just a little while later, yeah, and Tad man. was like, "Oh shit!" But then, when, but the main thing was when you guys hit the booth and actually started rapping. Tad was like, "This is exactly what I want from this record. <laughs> I want cats talking about guns and stuff like that. <laughs> like that record was the blueprint for his his next album, you know, wow. for that album." That's and he was, crazy. he was just like, this is what I wanted. He's like, he was trying to get, he, that was the first record he did for that, I believe. And for that two, three album. Yeah. And he was just like, so happy how it came up. He's like, all right, this is like the bar right here. Wow. I, I wanted something to right off the gate to be like, yo, all you, all everybody else is like, okay, this is the bar. I want you guys just to, you know, just talk about stuff whatever you want right. you know that's crazy, he was so man. happy with you guys' verses that he that he was just like he was just ready to go for the rest of the album and like with that stuff yeah man i mean like as soon as we recorded the shit i'm so i'm like I'm, you good he like man i'm i'm great <laughs> i'm not good i'm great he was so happy with yeah, with that record it was fun it was fun recording that shit it was crazy because game over became just a huge staple in underground hip hop at yeah. the time, but it was also one of those things. And what year was that? Was that like 
2001, 2002. Yeah, 2001, 2002. Yeah. That was before any of the boom of like the instrumental electronic hip hop, the right. Flying Lotuses of the world and stuff like that, the LA beat scenes, yeah. all the beat scenes around the world. That was before that, you know? Yeah. So, all, like I say, man, we always was ahead of the curve. So that record hit more different like scenes and little groups than anything else yeah, because definitely. it hit the electronic cats, yeah, hit the hip hop cats, and they were just all going oh nuts over right. it. Right. I mean, it, just, it was such a staple and a monster at the time. That shit was just crazy. Like uh, with the organs and all that wild shit, man. I mean. It was it was something that I never heard before. It was the sound that I never heard. Ted was telling me that the whole idea behind the Dabri sound was. Do you remember the um, the joint that uh, Dilla produced for Fife that uh that Four Horsemen joint? Uh huh. Do you know like in the background there's that? Doom, yeah. That. Doom. Just that little. Doom. That is the blueprint of like oh, wow. of the whole Dabri sound. Like that was that was the seed, and then like he just built it from there. Damn. You know, I, I never knew that. That was like that was like his big influence for for his Dabri moniker. How that how that all that music was gonna That's sound. Dope. That's dope, man. That is dope. But yeah, yeah, game over was such a monster at the time. It was just yeah. I mean that that's I have to do that when I perform. I, that that is a that's a must. Yeah, and I remember at the same time you you caught a little bit of a nice uh, radio hit also with "It's a Rap." Oh wow, I forgot about that song. <laughs> no, the funny thing is, I think we all got sick of that damn song. Yeah, man, I, I got sick of the fucking song when I started hearing the shit on fucking uh, commercials and shit. I'm like, man, this shit. Yeah, and you had to you had to perform it every time. Yeah, man. I think I, I got so sick of it that I can't even, like, recollect how it goes at this point. Dude. I know ben, I, I know Big Tone was on it, but I can't even, in my mind, I don't even know how it goes. I don't even know how the beat goes. Shit. <laughs> I don't either. It wasn't, it wasn't even a bad song. It was a dope song. It was just that. But you know what? That was some fucking radio shit, though, man. You know, that was... One of them, man, you got to, come on now, cat. You got to, man, we need something for the radio, man. You know, so that. But it was kind of a shock that Detroit Radio actually gravitated towards it. Yeah, yeah. That was a little bit of a shock. Yeah. Yeah, because that was around, you know, that was around the time when, you know, uh, artists here was like, yo, man, what the fuck? The radio don't play uh, Detroit music. And then, you know, they was like, okay, for every hour on the hour, we're going to play a Detroit song. And whatever sticks, we're going to put it in rotation. How long did that shit last? <laughs> I don't even remember that. My point exactly. <laughs> My fucking point exactly, man. <laughs> fucking radio, man. I, man, I can't even tell you the last time I listened to the radio, bro. Me neither, man. I don't. I I got my, my, my iPod, you know, hooked up in my car and listening to music or podcasts. Man, I'm fucking either listening to I'm listening to Sirius XM the fucking politics channel, bro. POTUS and shit like that. I'm getting old, man. I'm I'm an old man. And we're all getting old. Yeah. 
I love it though. We're all getting seasoned, man. It's like yeah, it, it's funny. Like at, at times you're like you, you get those feelings where you're like you hate getting old, but then when you start getting there, you're like, you know what? This shit is kind of fresh. This shit's kind of fresh because. Shit that you were tripping about when you were younger. You'd be like, man, you was really tripping on that I, shit? I was tripping about that shit? Like, what the fuck? And with me, like, okay, I'm, I'm 34 now, and, and I'm literally going to probably mention this on every podcast that I have, is that, like, um, for, like, not, you know, for the past year, I've been, like, free of all this, but, like, before that, like, I was in this weird, horrible relationship with this girl for a few years. Oh, no. And it was just sucking the life out of me. Yeah. And that, That's not good, bro. And I was just, man, like, losing money and just my, like, my soul and my just, like, my mind was tearing away, you know. So I finally, like, you know, just cut her off about, like, 12 months ago. And, this, and I'll say this. These past 12 months has been the most productive of my, of my adult life. So you can look back and see that that shit was hindering your progression. Yeah, because even before that, all the, and not, and not just girlfriends or girls I was dating, just female friends. Right. Were, a lot of them were taking up a lot of my time and energy. Mm. And they. Yeah, you need that me time. You need to have your by yourself meeting every day. Yeah, but it's like, it's like when I have, I, have, I still have to have a day job. But it's just like, and this is something that I, you know, I've been thinking about recently, is that, is that a lot of these girls would see me as, you know, K-Fresh the DJ, K-Fresh right. the writer. And that's what would attract them to so me. They want that K-Fresh up in them. But Kelly Frazier. They don't know who the fuck he is. Is, is kind of different, man. I'm very chill. I don't talk that much. I don't, I don't really like to go out that much anymore. Yeah. Um, I, you, you know, know, I ain't never like to go out. I don't, I, I'm really nerdy. Like, I, I like, I like watching professional wrestling, which is another aspect of what this podcast is about, about music and wrestling, you know? Oh, that's dope. And I, I there's things that are totally like, there's TV shows that are totally like girly that I like to watch, you know? Like what? What's your, what, what show? Oh, my, like my favorite like shows of all time are is stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Gilmore Girls, One Tree Hill, Gossip Girl, man. Yeah, that's I like, that's that's some uh, that's some chick flicks. Shit, I don't care, man. That shit, all that shit's incredible, and I don't care. I watch Naked and Afraid. <laughs> I've heard about that show. <laughs> hey, man, me and Guilt, and we fucking, <laughs> man, me and Guilty Simpson, we will fucking call each other like, yo, you know the new episode of Naked and Afraid coming over, man. That shit is some hilarious shit, bro. It is, and it's and, and shit like that, you know, that like that a lot of these girls wouldn't get about me is that I just I do all these just weird nerdy things and stuff, and a lot of times my mannerisms about stuff and way I react makes it feel like I don't I'm not interested in right. them. But it's just that I'm just super chill, you know, and I'm just not gonna like I'm not a thirsty dude at all. Yeah. Just. See, yeah, you always been a laid back cat, man. You know, that's that's what I always I'm not in anybody's face. You, I'm not gonna be, you know, all up in the girl's face like Yeah, and you know, some females take that like, ah, oh, he don't he's really not that into me or I'm not what he wants or some goofy shit like that. But all the time you just just a chill dude. Yeah, I'm just like a chill dude. So like after all this, I'm just like I, I 
I didn't learn shit about myself in my 20s, you know. It wasn't until, like, my 30s that I started, like, really learning about who I am. Yeah, that's, and that's, I when, it, real- that's when it happens. Yeah, and I realized how strong of a person I actually am, you know. Yeah, through man. all the bullshit that I went through, like, I never, like, I never just flipped out, really. I never... I never landed myself in the hospital or right. passed out or blacked out out of out of yeah. stress and anxiety or whatever. Right. Wake up in a padded room and shit. Yeah, I mean, it was going there. It was it was oh, on its yeah. way there, and I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore, man. I like. Well, that's good. You knew that it was going there, and you did something about that shit. It's, it's like there's no and like and it's funny. Like, have you seen Straight Outta Compton? Fuck yeah. You know, at the, you know, at the end when Dre was like, you know, he said something to the extent of like, you know, there's no price on a peace of mind. It's not. Yeah, that's that's how I, when he said that shit in the in the movie, I was like, dude, that's how I felt about my last situation. Yeah, man. man there's no there's price no, on that shit. There's no. And I saw, and I felt like my peace of mind was just ripping away, you know. So now it's just like I've been able to do so much shit this past, you know, year. And like I'm. I would have never been able to do this, you know, even start this podcast, you know, been previously. Too, yeah, preoccupied with that bullshit. And, and I'm at this point, too, and I, and I feel like this is just a universal thing, and this is probably something you would totally agree on. It's just like, if I'm, I have this momentum right now. I'm going this way. I have this momentum. If you want to be on board, you got you to gotta, yeah. you have your own momentum, too. Yeah. You can meet in the center, blah, no, blah, blah. No, you know? no coattails surfing. No coattails, no stopping, uh-uh. no other direction that I don't even want to go. Tunnel vision. Yeah, just tunnel vision. You know, you can, you can come along with me, you know, whatever. We can chill, but, you know, yeah. you got to understand that I want to go this way. I'm going this way. <laughs> I'm going this way. All right, these days you do have a um, some new projects come out. You have a new single that's uh, well. By the time this comes out, it'll already be out. Yeah. Uh, yep. I got a new project, the rededication to the suckers. So it's, it's a U.S. version and it's a U.K. version, and uh, it's all produced by this unknown producer from the U.K. His name is Agor. He's about to he's about to fuck everybody up. And yeah, you got um, you got a new single that uh, they're gonna drop also. Yeah, Revolver. Yep, the first single was Revolver. That drops uh next Friday. Yeah, by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, Revolver, man, it's a crazy joint. Crazy. Yeah, Revolver, Revolvers, uh, Revolvers on there. Then you have uh, do you have All Madden on there? Yep, All Madden's on there. That's the uh, B side. Yeah, all produced by uh, Agor from uh, producer from the UK. How did you uh, meet Agor? Well, I actually met him when I was on tour in uh, Europe, as usual. <clears throat> and um, I met him through uh, another artist, the UK artist. His name is Iron Braids, and um, he produced a track. For uh, for me and Iron Braids, but he was he was young, you know what I mean, and um, shit, he started sending me shit. You know, I would listen to it and be like, "Yo, man, that's dope, man," but I know you could do something better than that, you know what I mean? So I was like, 
I was I was like the uh his conditioning coach. You know what I mean? He would send music and I would you know, it would be dope, but I just knew that, you know, he was young. So I knew that, you know, he was growing. And I used to tell him that, like, yo, man, you fucking only 18 now, bro. When you get in with a few years from now, you're going to be a fucking monster. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, so over the years, he just been growing, growing, and now he turned into a full-grown monster. So it's, it's time to time to unleash him to the world. What's the Revolver track about? Um, the Revolver track is, is just really about like it's, it's just really about um talking about you know what I've been doing you know since I've since I haven't you know been putting records out and uh just really just raw lyricism man I'm just trying to the 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 the, the lyricism is, is 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 what is what I'm focusing on with with the revolver man you know it's just not no ABC ass shit it's about Style and lyrics on that song. What about All Madden? All Madden. I mean, that was uh, that's like a um, it's like a mini movie. You know what I mean? Um, just talking about uh, really these garbage ass rappers that's out here, man. You know, a lot of people just they just talking a lot. You know what I mean? Just rapping, and and you know I'm doing shit. While y'all rapping, I'm doing shit. And that's that's the whole basis of all mad. While y'all talking it, we doing it. What do you got what do you what projects do you got next after all this? Man, I got a quite a few projects uh down the pipeline. I got after uh after the rededication drops, uh me and Casual from Hyro. We got an album. We got a group called Ron John Bovey. Oh, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Not yeah. casual crazy, man. He, yeah, man. He's always had yeah, that's, dope shit. Yeah, that's that's my dude right there. Um, we we got a record that's coming out right after that, and then I got another project that's coming. I feel like I feel like Casual kind of had in many ways a similar career as you had. Pretty much. Pretty much. He's, he's kind of like that cat that always had respect, always had classics, but was still very underappreciated. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yep. The rap god. Cat's over here playing with the chords. Gordo's crazy. Gordo the cat. Yeah, man. Um, we got the Ron John Bovey project. Then we got the um. I think we. I don't know if what we calling it, but uh, me and this DJ, he's a producer out of the U, out of uh, Berlin. His name is DJ Dister. Uh, we got a. We just finished a project too. That's coming out after that. Um, yeah, man. And I'm uh, you know, I got my own label now, so I'm just just looking for 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 dope music, man, to put out, man. I just want to put some good material out. Right. Yeah, well, I'm about to wrap up this podcast. You know, kind of just uh, you know, plug what you got to uh, plug. You know, uh, you know, where can they find you on social media, the internet, whatnot? Uh, you plug can, your shit. Okay, I plug my shit. You can find me on um, 
what is that face the facebook the facebook yeah i never uh, heard of it yeah it's a it's a thing yeah it's a cool it's a cool site man um I'm Obi Ron Kenobi on there, or you can find the Fat Cat, P H A T K A T, Facebook. Uh, what is that? Instagram, Ronnie Euro on Instagram, and uh, Ronnie Euro on um, Twitter. Or you can go to the RonnieEuro.com and um, pre order all that new music just coming out. That's awesome, man. It's been great, you know, talking with you, man. No doubt, man. We got to do this more often, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. You'll definitely be a re- return guest as long as this, uh, you know, podcast gets popping, you know. But yeah, I'm glad you're man. one of my first guests. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it's, it's, it's really, uh, how can I say it? It's uh, just fucking, it's, the shit is dope, man. I mean, being one of the first guests and, you know, being one of the first guys that you ever used to deal with back in the day man so it was it's kind of it's kind of fresh yeah and kind of you know going back to that uh you know what we first talked about was at that time with my site renaissance soul then we had you know ronniecash.com yep. but then we had all these other uh detroit sites you know like the michigan hip-hop yep. uh graffiti had his uh break bread yeah there's a couple other.com like none of us had high traffic but what our impact was collectively is that we forced the music industry, the media, yeah. to fuck with Detroit yeah. hip hop. Because now Detroit hip hop is on every blog. Yeah. And like, I, you know, after a while, I was like, dude, I'm like, I, I, for a little while, I got like pissed all of a sudden because I'm like, man, like, motherfuckers is front. Oh my. No, I got pissed at this one point because I was just like, at, at first I was like, one place a front, but then I was like, all of a sudden, all my homies were getting all these exclusives on these big sites, and I'm like, <laughs> and they weren't giving me the exclusives, <laughs> and I'm just like, dog, why don't any of my friends give me these exclusives now, man? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got I got super frustrated with that because, like, when MySpace came out, it really it kind of fucked my game up, you know. <laughs> Because MySpace fucked up your game. Yeah, MySpace kind of fucked up my game because for all us Michigan, like, you know, hip-hop websites, we were, like, the only game in town, you know, for, you know, getting all your music on the internet. Then all of a sudden, MySpace hit. RenaissanceSouls.com was the (laughs) shit. And as soon as as MySpace hit, nobody gave a fuck about any of us anymore. (laughs) <laughs> like, man, I can find them on MySpace. It's like I can just upload my own shit now, you yeah. know. I can, oh shit, I can go talk to uh, Lord Finesse and shit right. on my own and stuff now. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> it was crazy though, man. But it was like, it, but you definitely had, you know, an idea to be a part of it. No you know, doubt, with, with, man. with this small group of people that really, we all really forced the you know the music media to fuck with Detroit hip hop because they weren't at all nah, during they for, weren't checking none of those hip hop website websites weren't at all it was just if it wasn't if it wasn't Marshall Kid Rock or you know Jack White you know it was like well I don't give a fuck about that no nah, they they sure. weren't even giving a fuck about it so it was you know you know it's 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 cool to like you know <laughs> come like full circle and still like 
you know, have you as one of my, you know, first yeah, guests man, on this like next chapter of my, you know, yeah, the next chapter of, of my media, of my media career. Yep, <laughs> dope, man. But uh, yeah, no, thank you, man. And, no, man, like, thank you, man. It's glad to be a part of this shit, man. And you know, I had to, I had to hit you off with the jewels first. No doubt. So that was the interview with Fat Cat, really good homie of mine. So go cop that rededication of Suckers right now. Support Detroit Hip Hop. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh is the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshisthepodcast.com, and there's a link at the top that says support the podcast. And on that page, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to, or there is a Amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on Amazon. Use that link. And after you make your purchases, Amazon will shoot some commission back to me. I'll just go to help the show. Also, I definitely appreciate all the listens. And if you definitely want to share the links to the website, crushesthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud, that's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word One. That's Fresh is the Word Number One. And on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash freshesthepodcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so go ahead and search Fresh is the Word on there. and Go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.